I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Hello and welcome to Fever FM. Uh, I am your fill-in host, uh, Dale. Frosty has failed to turn up for our agreed day. Uh, he is running a day behind schedule, so he might turn up tomorrow, which will be a bit, a bit late for him. But joined to me uh, with me tonight is Dave, uh, Trace and Cam. How are we doing? Are we all recovered from 12 pubs? Cam, you don't have to answer. I'm feeling great. I was surprisingly chipper on Sunday. Yeah, we're getting old. We all were much more restrained in our... Uh our drinking and general troublemaking. I feel like we need to make a public announcement and say that we did in fact limit ourselves to just two Red Bull Vodkas. That's true. That actually happened. How how late in the piece was that? Oh, last bar. Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) On the the dance floor, you you got to... Sorry? How far did you make it? Oh, I made it to Old Bailey. So I I decided to bail out before the COVID hot, hot zone uh, yeah. was, was coming towards me at a fair rate of, of knots. Yeah, fair enough. Well, that's nice to hear. Um, sounds like you had a great great evening. Okay, lots of people who did not and have probably spent the night, or at least the last couple of days in jail perhaps. Lots of Victory fans. Um, they had a great old get, invasion. Is that the right word? I don't Invasion's know. Invasion's a good S- word. Stampede. Yep. Riot. I don't Riot. know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Pitch, yeah. pitch invasion is the best place to start with it, I think. It was unbelievable. I guess, like I was sitting there at home, I had my, my McDonald's, you know, I was packing into about to go to sleep and I was thinking, oh, I'll stick around the 20 minute mark, see what happens. And then it all just really escalated quite quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say it felt very surreal, kind of just before, not even just before, maybe half an hour before I had a little chat with, with Trace because our schedule had us kind of moving between bars um, quite a long distance at the time the 20th minute was going to be. And I was like, oh shit, this could be the most impactful kind of walkout protest of the round to be, you know, those of us who are still on the pub crawl might want to see that happen. And I, I wasn't really thinking anything like this was going to be the outcome of that. I just thought, oh, if we hang around here five minutes, like delay our leaving time slightly, we can watch 20,000 people walk out of a stadium. That'll be, that'll be an impressive sight. And instead this happened. I just remember sitting there thinking, holy shit, this is just surreal. Like, I can't believe this is really happening. That's some pres- That's still some prescience there, Dave, because that is the most impactful walkout of the entire fucking week. Wow. And Not impactful in the, in the way, way we hoped, yeah. Entirely the wrong, entirely the wrong situation, yeah. It was, um, yeah, I was, I was sitting, I was actually planning on going to bed because I was getting up to watch the uh, the World Cup um, playoff in the morning. And um, yeah, it kind of dragged me in, unfortunately, for longer than I intended to be sitting up for it. But uh, it was uh, it was horrendous, absolutely horrendous to see. I mean, we're seeing... Uh, fans on the fields previously, um, I think in aggression as well as as in and also in like celebration. But I guess the, just the visual of someone coming in from behind and uh, I can't remember his first name, but the referee King just getting absolutely Alex. dusted and I'm guessing sawdust or um, sand, ashes, sand, sand, yeah. yeah. uh, and going to a, a straight into a, a silver fox looking hairdo was was quite remarkable and then obviously that it kind of continued into Glover's face really didn't it something that I've seen you know like there was I think around just maybe before the World Cup there was a video from Turkey where a guy's picked up the corner flag and run across the field and smacked the goalkeeper in the head and it kind of was like 
you never expect that kind of I think it was Division Two Turkey to turn up in you know in the A League. So and this this is even worse, mate. This is worse because it's a bucket full of sand. He's thrown at someone's head. This like when you break it down into the like the small parts of that. It's an incredibly dangerous thing to do for the person on the receiving end. It's like kicking someone in the head. You know what I mean? It's 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 just a phenomenally morally irresponsible act from those people. It was ah re- oh, yeah, I was fuming, absolutely fuming that they'd take away what was a well delivered message by the fan groups by doing something so heinous. Yeah, and and the imagery we've seen after the fact as well. Um, you know, suggest there was even more stuff going on. I don't know if you've seen the latest images released this afternoon, but someone's throwing um, a dolly or a hand cart as well that was obviously out there. It looks like it was for moving either pyro or sound gear around, but there's someone literally hiffing one of those as well. I think, thankfully, it doesn't sound like it hit anyone because we certainly haven't heard about it and, and there didn't seem to be anything on the on the vision we saw live. But the fact that, you know, they're now releasing images that show shit like that was going on at the same time says that, you know, the, the most visible thing was obviously, you know, the bucket of sand, but clearly there was a lot of other stuff there that just in the chaos of it all was also going on, which is just mind boggling where we're probably incredibly lucky. No one was more seriously hurt than they were. Obviously, you know, some people had to go to hospital and there's some stitches and stuff, but this could have been much more serious from, from what it looks like. Aside from the horrificness of it, it really undermined the protests of all the other fan groups. And I think, like, obviously it's not the most shit part of it, but it is a really shit part of the way that they acted. What's come out subsequently is some screenshots of um, Instagram posts of people suggesting they were going to do this before it happened anyway. So um, it certainly seems that there was an element of the crowd who uh, who were either keen to push the boundaries of protest or took this as an opportunity to um, do a little bit of rioting or, or somewhat really, isn't it? It's, it's I, I don't know where, where, where they kind of sit on that fence and that fence may be quite a fine line, but they really did t- take the opportunity just to try and unleash hell really, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know where, where to go from there. Obviously, there's some stories today of um, a couple of have faced life bans from all forms of football. So I think I think um, James James Johnson, the CEO of FFA, has said they're putting their names into the the national database so that they'll never be able to play um, football, I guess, in a competitive fashion. I suppose um, you know, banned from all forts, forms of football and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there was another 10 to 15 who have been charged with other various crimes. Um, so I imagine that that list will probably grow quite significantly because there were still some outstanding photos placed, I think, in the last couple of days of people still trying to identify, um, I guess, those intruders. Um, so I guess that'll play out in the next little while, I guess. I guess one of the questions is, what do you think is going to happen to victory about this? Um like what's yeah. the what's the scope of, of punishment you can like they'll forfeit the game right won't they that at a minimum yeah it would make sense um and face closed door games but i'm unsure to put a time frame on how many for how long um for the closed door games but i i can certainly see being a number um 
the other thing is like the, the flow and effect that people don't think about and i read this in articles that if they close the doors for the season that means victory is going to be refunding uh, season tickets and that's going to cost people jobs in the back end of their systems like because they have a good number of staff in their in their back office that help run and help grow their club and those people are going to be facing possible job losses because they're just not going to have the income um it's Did... it's sorry it's okay you can go <laughs> there's only one real solution here move their games to sydney tell them to the highest bidder it'll be fine it might not be sydney actually making them play away games for the rest of the season i'm okay with as well that i I was i was just going to bring up away games because i think i think there's some incredibly hard stuff in there about all of this right and so if we just look at their next fixture i mean they play western united in the same park it's an away game it's not a home game so Mm. What do you do about that? You know, even even if you do say the decision is Melbourne Victory are playing their home games behind closed doors for the rest of the season, they're literally going to be in the same stadium playing away games. And so how do you even manage that? You know, do you say we're not allowing Victory fans into that? How would you police that? Do you say there's no active areas for those games? Again, how do you police that? You know, oh, we've closed the normal active bay. Great, they'll go somewhere else. It doesn't really matter. So short of actually banning a lot more than just victory home games, you are going to have the same fan group in that same stadium again, potentially able to do the same stuff. Now, obviously I don't think they will, but it's really hard to do that punishment because normally you would be in the position where you don't have three clubs sharing a ground, but you do. And I don't know how you're going to negotiate your way through that. And and even if they don't go closed doors games and they try and crack down on just the active portion of that fan group, how do you police that? I just I just don't see a reasonable way. And even the bans they've handed out to players, right? We know um, that previously, even at even at Westpac, right? We've had people who have bans, but some of them quite long who are still able to come to games, you know. They they struggle more at their home games, but they go to games all around Australia. They come to New Zealand and they get in just fine with their bands. So these life bands, I think, are a good first step. And obviously there's criminal charges still to come. But there's still a very real possibility these people are going to be able to go to A-League games. There's something else about that, um, the closed doors things and their way, uh, way games at their home stadium. Those other clubs can also rely on those crowds like those are massive massive boosts for both western united and melbourne city to their numbers and their and their coffers so it's not just in that situation melbourne victory that's going to be punished yeah i I don't i don't know how you police it i don't know how you set it up to make it uh justifiable and fair on all the parties it's, it's going to be pretty hard to identify some of these people walking through the turnstiles, right? You know, like they get 15,000 people to their games. Like you can cancel their memberships all you like, but there's nothing stopping them walking in on someone else's membership, buying a ticket under someone else's name uh, and hoping for the best that they, they get in uh, because, you know, no security guard is going to sit there with a, you know, do not enter file of, of photos of people. It's unlikely they've got facial recognition as you walk into the stadium as well. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we all know a list exists and photos like that get shared around. I mean, I know, I know that's the case. Those do go to stadium security, but as you say, average Joe blogs as a guard doesn't have much visibility of that. And sure as hell isn't checking every face through the gate. It's just not a thing. So I think, I think there's going to be some incredibly hard decisions that need to be made about what, 
kind of punishments are worth doing as a matter of grandstanding, even if they're not effective, versus what are effective punishments. And I think we'll see a bit of both here, right? And and I'm not saying they shouldn't. Like, I, these people should absolutely receive life bans. But I think there need to be more effective things coming into place as well around around the club and what how they need to move forward in terms of managing their fan base, but also in terms of those people and, and the competition as a whole. Because this could be a massive knee-jerk reaction against all active groups, right? In the favour of grandstanding to say we're taking this out of our game and we've already seen hints of what might be that across the league in terms of groups that normally don't have any trouble, don't do not do anything and are relatively small, having items like flags and drums taken off them, um, you know, and, and that is quite problematic in, in my eyes. Uh, it's really hard to know where Victory go with how they manage that end, right? Because um, you can ban, you know, the 20 or 50 or whoever out but you know if you if you look at um osm and the way they operate you know they've got a logo that's um, basically a ripoff of clockwork orange which is a very violent um film so they're already kind of playing up to a um an imagery um and if you read their their six posts on facebook leading up into the week there was a lot of aggressive language in there about fighting for this and fighting that and you know fuck these people and fuck these people like reflect, reflecting on it you got to think that they kind of helped bring that aggressive intention to the to the situation regardless of whether the leaders themselves were, were part of those people um, they certainly set a, a stage for um to attract you know a, a segment of the you know, football community who are aggressive and are looking for a punch on. So it's really how how Victory really managed that forward. Um, and I don't know how they really do that. I don't know if there's really an answer at all because this is like the third or fourth iteration of the Northern, you know, terrace of that end of different, you know, labels, whether it's different people, I don't know, but there's, they've definitely gone rebranding at various stages because of previous incidents. Yeah, and I think as well, their fan groups, I mean, we we think there's a lot of politics and fever in, in our fan group and the, some of the stuff we have to deal with, right? But they have not only the kind of major kind of banner of um, OSM, but there's so many little subgroups that they, they call the firms below that. And some of them are much more kind of hardline than others, much more fanatical, much more violent. And I, I honestly, I can't imagine how they even begin to bring all of that under control as fans without um, without some kind of structure there. Like, it must be a nightmare. So I, I think there are some real real genuine issues with trying to control those people because i think i think back to times where and i'm you know i'm not going to name any names or talk about situations but we've had we've had problematic fans in the past where we've needed to kind of distance ourselves from people for various reasons right and almost invariably we've got pushback from other fans around the way we've dealt with that and most of our stuff we've dealt with as a fever is nowhere near the level we're talking about here we're not talking about people who are trying to start riots or rush the field right but if you've got those really hardcore factions in there i can only imagine the pushback they'd get from you know a dale walking over and going mate pull your head in you're acting like a dick i think he's more likely to get cracked in the head than he is to have anyone listen to him right yeah. so it's a, it's a tough problem and i i don't envy them in terms of how they have to move forward and deal with that. Yeah, the, the old kind of um, people always talk about, oh, you, you need to self-police, but, you know, uh, that only works um, in various, you know, in certain circumstances. I feel like we could probably manage that um, in most instances, but, you know, in a, in a 
you know, hyper aggressive um, grouping of, you know, a thousand or two thousand people at the back, you know, how can you even, you know, start that? So, yeah, I feel like, you know, there's, there's going to be a mix of a, a fine, probably a forfeit for, of the game, probably some very tight regulations around their home end for the rest of the season, if it ever, if, if it still exists for that season. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they say no more at home end. Yeah, and potentially maybe some games behind closed doors. So it'd be really interesting to see how that how that, that plays out. And I'll, um... Do we think we're looking at competition points beyond this game? Because we've, yeah. we've seen suspended yes. competition points before, right? Um, I think RBB picked up a few that, that, that were suspended, barring any other breaches. But my understanding is that Victory um, have a couple financial ones already hanging over them, previous suspensions for fan activity. I don't think they have competition points hanging over them. But my understanding is I think there are some financial ones still dangling there that I assume will now get enacted. But I do wonder if we'll see something in that competition point space as well. I would kind of hope it's not immediately we're docking, you know, 20 points. But I wouldn't be surprised if there is a significant amount of suspended points deduction put over them to stop a further incident like this occurring this season, next season, whatever, however long they want to look at placing that for. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's yeah, definitely something that's in the in the remit of, of possibilities. I think, um, yeah, if you act out again, there's you know, three, six, nine points gone or whatever. I think it might be a significant number. I think they might get them an immediate impact now as well, um, beyond that Melbourne City game. So and yeah, and suspended as well. Um, I think because of the the nature, like the pitch invasion itself, I'm sure they'd get, you'd, you'd get a step over the wrist and, you know, there would be uh, some sanctions and stuff, but the fact that it's ended up so violently and that players and officials and people doing their jobs have been the ones that are uh, injured and impacted by this, I think it takes it to another level than just people going on the pitch when they shouldn't do. And, and the sheer number of people as well. I don't think it's like we've 150 ever seen... people or yeah. something. It's a phenomenal number. Yeah. We've seen, as you say, we've seen people on the pitch before, but I, I don't think we've ever seen this many on the pitch. Not this many, and not violence to this degree. Um, so I guess the part of the fallout from that was uh, a statement put together by joint um, active groups put out last night, condemning the actions and kind of reiterating it, uh, the need to basically open dialogue with the APL around various things. Um, that was a couple of days of heavy work from mostly Tracy on a Sunday night after uh, 12 pubs. So that went long into the night. Uh, so it was thoroughly enjoyable call, that one. So I guess we'll really see how that kind of plays out in terms of um, any further protests that sort of various active groups want to do or not to do. Um, but I think that's probably pretty much covered the basis, I think, of, of Saturday night night. I guess if we turn towards stuff that happened, well, at Sky Stadium, I suppose, uh, the the Phoenix, they had a pretty, I'm going to say, pretty comfortable 3-1 win um, over Adelaide. Fair reflection, wasn't it? I mean, Zawada got a goal in the first minute for Goodwin um, pulled one back with a, with a lovely free kick. But it felt like, even watching it after a few, a few drinks, that we looked pretty comfortable throughout that game. Is that, is that a fair reflection, Cam? You're probably the one with the clearest of eyes. Clearest of eyes, but the worst view uh, from for the majority of it, to be fair. But, I mean, I, well, I hadn't even got into position when Zavada scored. So I saw none of it until he was jumping over the hoardings and, um, and celebrating the goal. But I have to agree. I do think um, 
I think we we controlled the game very well. Um, I think it was a surprise to me when uh, Adelaide got back into the game. I thought that was quite against the run of play. It was an outstanding finish, don't get me wrong. It was an absolutely brilliant goal. But like at that point, we're controlling position. We're controlling territory. We're, we're looking comfortable and never really looking like conceding so yeah it was for me, for me the whole game beyond that piece of brilliance from um goodwin was all us yeah i think maybe uh, there's one other chance i think they had where there was it across along the maybe it was the first half across along the sort of 18 maybe the penalty spot and i think tim maybe a couple of our players slipped over i think tim payne was one and then it was Suki, it came to him and he had a heavy touch and we managed to clear and that was that was literally that that's all they had and yeah, pretty pretty pleasing, I guess. Performance. I guess we'll I guess we'll talk through some of the um, incidences. Um, I guess yeah. So I obviously scored the first goal, and I guess uh, for me this is kind of one of maybe one of the benefits that Tim Payne brings playing centre back. Like he's a bit more of a ball playing centre back, and and I think maybe people kind of think that this was just a bit of a hook forward. But I think he actually Tim Payne I think is looking for that little dink over the top, isn't he? And Zavada's used his body to get into a good position and obviously smash at home. Am I, do you think I'm reading a bit too much into that? No, no I don't think so. I, I think, I think we've seen Tim Payne able to play those sorts of balls more often than it just being a fluke. Um, whether he's always brought it at kind of a league level is a different question, but we've certainly seen him capable of doing that. Right. And, and I mean, Zawada, we've seen him get himself into these positions, but I mean, this is the one time it kind of all came together at the right moment for him because of where he sure as hell finishes this one, right? Like it's, it's a great finish. Um, you expect him to score. Do you expect him to score exactly like this? Probably not so much, but yeah, it kind of all just came together, uh, which seems to be a rarity for us as Phoenix fans getting to see that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because he seems to get in these kind of positions of getting in behind quite a lot and he doesn't look like a particularly pacey player. Um, and you kind of, you know, it's a big, big guy. And so you kind of think maybe he's a bit more of a kind of, we'll play it into him and he'll knock it down to our number 10 and we'll go go from there. But he seems to get in behind quite a lot for a, a guy that just looks like it has middling pace. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but he, he just gets in those positions. Well, that's actually not the first goal we've scored like that this season either. And I actually think it's uh, tactically something that we're working on because uh, Wayne scored like that. Um and he had another one ruled out for offside in exactly the same way, where they're finding the space in that channel between the two centre-backs to run onto the ball from first game. I think it was first time was Yugarkovic, the one that I remember for Ben Wayne. Um, and this time, obviously, it was Tim Payne. But I actually think they're looking for that on purpose. I think I think that might be a deliberate ploy, which is why you're seeing him get in behind so often, because you know, he's looking. they're looking for that pass for him. You're right, he's not quick. He's certainly very good at his hold-up play. He's he's a very good uh, target man nine. Um, if he had a yard more pace, I don't think he'd be playing in the A-League. So, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty quality player. Yeah, I mean, well, that was cancelled out pretty quickly by a Craig Goodwin, who rattled one in off the crossbar. Uh, I was watching the replay yesterday, maybe the day four, and Jacob Spurney on the commentary said, I think uh, that Ollie, Ollie Sale would be disappointed he let that win in, but I think that's just, you just you just get nowhere near that. Aren't you? Like as, as soon as you hit one, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant, man. That's all it is. Yeah. You just you just, you just applaud it and go, yeah, mate. Well, well done. You don't stop those. It's fantastic free kick. 
even even if you're standing right on that post, I don't know that you're doing a hell of a lot about that. I mean, it's just a great free kick. It's um yeah, it, it sucks to cop one like that, but I don't think you could do do much about it really. Um, as Cam said earlier, it felt very much kind of against the run, but that's always the chance with set pieces, right? You can, you know, whether they be corners or free kicks in good positions, um, that's that's how you're going to get back in a game like this. And they had a brief sniff of being back in it, but we still looked so dominant. This this very much felt like their one chance and they had got it, but we were going to keep creating something. It was still very early in the game. It was, yeah, it was was 11 minutes, so it was a very entertaining for the first dozen or so, and then um, I guess Tracy, you want to talk us through uh, the walkout and how that went? I, I was pleasantly surprised about how many people participated. Yeah, well, firstly, I think we all kind of looked at each other because we had a, I think we might have got a corner just before that, yeah, and we were yes. all sort of going, oh shit, what do we do about this? And we were kind of like, no, we're going anyway, um, and as it was, I don't think it, much came from that anyway, um, but yeah. The fever zone basically emptied out, um, which I was quite surprised, pleasantly surprised. But, um, yeah, we charged out. We're chanting um, bad things, I suppose, um, about our friends at the APL. Um, And we did move around to an empty-ish aisle, um, but we got a bit stitched up with the microphone right in front of where we had moved to. Well, Um, they moved the microphone when we moved. Oh, did I, watched, I didn't realize I them that. Do it. Yeah, we'd picked it. We'd picked an aisle that had no microphone, and they literally moved it over there. And the intent was to kind of be relatively quiet. But I think a few a few fans had moved with us, found a bit more voice than they normally do. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. There is usually a microphone that corner. There is usually a microphone in that corner because I walked past it. It's near the corner post. They they took the one yeah from by the corner and moved it smack bang in front ah, of us, like okay. literally in front of us. Yeah. Okay. I think there was a combination of being five pubs deep. There's a stag party on board. Um, I think we were also ruined by the acoustics, which were excellent in that space. Um, And we were, I think from what I've heard, the zone was actually louder once we moved, um, which kind of was not what we intended for our protest to be. But it is what it is. Um, And I think we still made a point. We made that walk. We... Um, protested in our own way and I think that was the important part um, we protested our protested in our own way but non-violently um, and we had we had a group stay behind um, in the fever zone holding a banner that said footballers for the fans um, to sort of I guess amplify the message and reinforce why we had walked out yeah, and I think the other thing as well that um, is worth noting is, you know, the Adelaide fans did move with us. So we had, there weren't big numbers of them who had travelled over, but they were with us for the rest of the game in that in that same aisle, which was what part of the original protest was about, was about unity with other fans. And, you know, um, I was sitting next to um, Redwig Steve for the remainder of the, the two games. You know, that's not a way you normally watch an A-League game. And so that was um, definitely a, an image in itself, right? Um yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, and just to provide a bit of context about kind of where we landed on that decision is is we knew there would be a few Adelaide fans, um, and we knew they would probably feel obligated to do whatever we did, um, and so I think we felt a bit of a um, feel a bit shit if we kind of walked out and they they spent probably a couple of grand getting over here and saw twenty minutes of you know out of 100, 180. So part of we thought what what was better is to to show some yeah, solidarity 
um, and empty two two bays that would normally be, you know, um, with that would have fans um, to go sit together instead. So that's you were going to say full, but I was going to say full, but um, <laughs> Steve's a big personality, buddy, but he's not big in uh, stature. Yeah, well, that that wig is quite big, so it probably takes up two seats at least. <laughs> Um, so that was part of was part of that really is, is so that was slightly different. I know some people didn't agree with that, but um, yeah, it is what it can't is. Can't please anyone. You guys needed to make a statement in the way that suited you best, and yeah. I I actually I actually think it was the the right move. I commend you guys for making that decision, which isn't the same as the other others made, but it was you still realizing that it's not the club that made the decision, and it's not the club that needed that should be punished for what or you know have the message sent to um and the players on the field uh certainly don't deserve uh the negative press because there's no decision in there that they'd made so i quite i like the fact of, of what you guys actually did and i think you did it in the right way it, it, one other thing is, is when we're making that decision sydney had also at that time decided to do something else as well than than the walkout so we were kind of in a position of thinking well it's kind of you know do what you think is best so that's what what we thought at the time and, and you know our, our our issues and stuff over here tend to be different to the ones in australia as well anyway right so it's not necessarily that we need to uh protest in the same or you need to protest in the same way so no commend commend you for the for the statement that you made yeah it w- worked out quite well also working quite well was uh the second goal to kriev did who um popped into the back corner with a header following a uh Delicious ball from Cullen Elliott. Cullen Elliott, yeah. God, that was a beautiful pass. So, eh? yes, ghosted it. There was, there was two at the back too, mm. wasn't there? There was two, two completely unmarked at the back post. He just ghosted in. Lovely header uh, past the keeper, and yeah, it was, um, it was what we deserved. To be fair, that's a cliche, I know, but we were suitably dominant at that point, and um, yeah, to, if we'd gone in level at half time, I'd have been probably quite disappointed. Yep, but we didn't. We went in uh, two and up, and then I think shortly after, about was it fifty minutes, maybe fifty-two, something like that. Uh, O'Halloran got himself sent off. Um, he'd previously picked up a, a booking for mouthing off um, the ref and, and throwing a little bit of a tantrum, uh, and then and then absolutely smashed Clayton Lewis, I think it was, I think, and uh, and got his marching orders. It was one of those ones, it, it wasn't like, it was a relatively soft yellow, but that, it's just such a dumb challenge to be making when you're on a yellow. Like, it, it's going to be a yellow all day. You, you're clattering through the back of him. It's just it's just a stupid thing to do when you know you're already on a card. Like, it, it just, brain explosion, right? Because you, you give the ref no choice there. He's, he's got to give you another yellow, even though it's a pretty soft one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess about 10 minutes after that, uh, Jan Sars, who... Uh, I thought it had been excellent um, up until then. And obviously he listens to the podcast and, and took the rocket that we gave him last weekend to heart uh, by probably putting on his best performance of the year. Yeah. Um, got a slightly lucky deflection at the back post uh, following it. Uh, I, I was quite interested in watching the replay, actually, because we had maybe a dozen corners. And I feel like we've we picked, maybe maybe I'm reading a bit too much into this, but on just about every single one, um, Gauchi, punches to behind um to the opposite sort of edge of the box and i'm wondering whether we've kind of picked that up because we every single time we had two two players back there so i'm reading we're trying to maybe trying to pick up the scraps and 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 do something because i think sas had another chance maybe just a little bit before as well maybe five minutes before 
Um, but he got on, well, had a slightly average touch, but had a shot and deflected another post to, to push it to 3-1. Sometimes you need that luck, though, right? Like, he's obviously, he's had, he's, had a, he's had a tough start to the year. The first seven games haven't particularly gone well for him. Um, and you're right, I thought he was outstanding, and the bit that stuck in my mind particularly was when he was running at the players and did the step-overs at the top of the box to beat a player. That just having, obviously, his confidence was up and his tail was up, and he was really enjoying playing in that particular game. And obviously, that, you know, the goal... Yes, it was deflected, but sometimes when you're having a, a crap run, something like that can just just be exactly what you need for pushing you in the right direction. And hopefully, we can see that you know tick on. Maybe not against the next game, but you know in the future. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, even even if he doesn't get a goal in this game, I think we'd all be saying he had, a, he had an absolute blinder because he did. I mean, the goal, as you say, he got a bit lucky with, but across across the game, he played incredibly well. He was he was a standout for much of it. Um, and so I think I think it, it puts Ufi in a tough position because I think if if we hadn't seen this sort of performance out of him, you might have been going into that January window thinking he's the one you could offload and look to bring someone else in. I don't know if that is what's in Ufi's mind, but certainly this performance here makes that a very tough question because if, if he's going to play like that for the rest of the season, I mean, you want to keep him around, right? But if this was a one-off blip, the other football we've seen from him hasn't been that flash. So it certainly starts raising some questions. And if, if he can keep putting a few performances like that together in the next few weeks, I mean, shit, he could he could go into the, the kind of finals run in fantastic form. So I'm getting slightly distracted by the Central Coast Jets game because someone's just launched one from about 30 metres, I think top bins so uh excuse me while i collect myself this is why i don't watch while we're recording i've, I've got it paused on the other screen ready to hit play when we're done uh, <laughs> I, I forgot it was on i'll be honest but um i can't stream and record at the same time so yeah and the yeah, wife's I, got the tv i lie it. it's about 40 yards um anyway so sas yes good had a, had a couple of good step overs and he did a nice little um a little back heel as well put into the path of someone i think that led to a shot as well um, so he really just, he's got a good package, right? He's got he's obviously got a lot of na- he's naturally gifted. He's got a lot of good skills. Um, <laughs> Tracy's stoked because we've finally come up with our um, with our title for the, the for the pod this week. But um, yeah, he's he's obviously a naturally gifted player, and if he comes off, he will be a hell of an asset. Yeah. Do you been do you take uh, behind the scenes photos as well, Cam? Is that how you know? <laughs> About his all package. he said was he was naturally gifted. It's fine, <laughs> naturally gifted, and he's got, he's got a fantastic. <laughs> I know, package. I know. I'm not saying that part again, though, Trace. <laughs> yeah, my uh, all the photographs I take tend to be uh, with grass involved. Thank you very much. <laughs> Whoa, hang on, hold on, because there is a whole series of Vince Lear thirst trap photos that exist, they all have grass in them, but they are not football related photos. Well, and they have nothing to do with me. <laughs> what, about, what about the Colin Craig grass shots? Were they you? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, this has escalated way too quickly. <laughs> you started it. Yeah, okay, it's my bad, my bad. I'll take full responsibility uh, for a very poor decision. Okay, well, let's get us back on, on track. So, um, yeah, three-one up and a man up. Um, I guess we were probably thinking about how the how the Phoenix were going to blow this, and um, Ollie Sale did his absolute best um, after fumbling a, a fairly tame tame shot that was slowly drifting towards the goal line and probably going to roll in before I can't remember who bundled over the line uh, who was in an offside position so kind of got saved I mean 
God, uh, if they had gone in, that would have been where the nerves kicked in, right? Like, yeah. Considering they only had five shots in the entire game, yeah, that would have been a bit rubbish. Yeah. And as you've hinted at there, I think if the striker doesn't go and touch this, it's a goal. The fact he's offside is irrelevant, and I think it was going to cross the line anyway. But he does run in and he touches it, and I think he ca- he cost the team a goal by going and doing that because it was in anyway. Um, but, yeah, what a calamity it was that led to that situation. And, and as a striker, I mean, of course you're going to go and make sure of that. No striker is going to restrain themselves in that situation from going and making sure, right? But, oh, what a tough one. All round. All in front of our eyes too. Just like you could just see it in slow motion, just drifting towards if you couple that, you couple that with the penalty miss at the other end from Kraev, uh, yes. And that did start to have a feeling of we're going to throw this away. Why can't we take pens? Yes, we do have a long tradition. Um, I didn't actually think it was that bad a bad a effort. No, it's a very good save. It was a very good save. Yeah. And I th- and I think the thing to remember is the penalty procedure has changed quite significantly in the past that makes it a lot easier for, for keepers um, to make saves because you can move along your line. You can basically be half a step off the off the line, which gives you a bit easier, uh, a bit more momentum to um, push the ball around the post. So it does make it a bit easier for penalty saves. And I think probably the World Cup's highlighted that a little bit as well. It's also highlighted, though, that if you put it in the corner, you're going to score a goal. So just practice putting it in the corner. And I know that's, much, much easier said than done. But a professional footballer should be able to put the ball where they want to. Someone like Diamante can do pretty much what he likes with it. So he should they should be able to put it in exactly where they want to. That's uh, probably a side point. I feel like we're going to start seeing more people trying to hit them um, slightly in the top half of the goal towards the corner rather than low down because it's much harder to push one yeah. um, around the post at that height. But anyway, um, I thought it was quite a tough penalty call as well. On, on replay, it didn't feel like the, the defender could do much about it. I don't remember it. What happened? We're into the part of the game that's very hazy for uh, me, so I'm not I'm not going to comment. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I remember mean, very clearly Krav's penalty, but I don't remember the foul that came to it. Um, I think it was, was it Moragas maybe, who put a ball in a, and it, it hit defender who had his hands behind, kind of behind his back but he wasn't square on to where the ball had come from, so he slightly slide, side on and it hit one of the, the hands behind his back, but it wasn't like he'd made himself. The arms were like fairly vertical to the ground. I just thought it was a, it was a little bit tough. Like if, if it wasn't given, I don't think, it, I think it's one of those ones where it doesn't get overturned either way. Like it's, yeah, not, not, it's not an obvious one, but yeah, yeah I thought maybe you'd, you'd be a bit filthy. I think if that was you and you'd lost the game because of it. Give it, give it the full Louis Fenton, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was pretty much it, and we we eventually uh, rounded out with three one win, which at the point dropped uh, topped us up to fourth. I think we've now since dropped down to to sixth. Yes, we have. But yeah, I mean we've left a lot of points on the field, haven't we? Seven, seven points, man. We've lost. Uh, we should have beaten Western United, and we've had two wins turned into draws. So there's yeah, we def- we we grabbed that one uh, draw back that we should have lost against City. But, yeah, I think we've dropped seven points on the field, which would put us first. Yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. I think there's any other talking points from that game, is there? Uh, no, not really. It was a good It was a good three points. It was, um, yeah, it was needed, really, really needed um, to keep touch with those teams above us. Because if you have a look at the table now, there's ten teams on, uh, sorry, five teams on ten points. 
and it's it's really quite a logjam this far into the season, which is unusual for the A-League. Usually there's a, at least some teams running away with it or falling well behind. Yeah. This this period of the year is usually a big decider, though, in the season, right? You get that kind of congestion of fixtures around the Christmas period in early January that normally is what you come out the other side with a much clearer picture of the table. And so I think going into that with some momentum will be really good. Hopefully we can stick it in the next couple of games as well. Um, and yeah, come out the other side solidly that top path. Well, I mean, after a good win, I don't think... Uh, see what I did there? I did, and it was impressive. I think you really want to be travelling to Perth and playing a game at 30 minutes plus past midnight, do you? No. No. No, this is the worst time to be playing that game, um, which is effectively Christmas Eve for the players and for us. So, yeah, it's it's um, pretty rubbish. I mean, it's not effectively Christmas Eve. It, it literally is. Plus. <laughs> But not for them, because they'll be in Australia at the time. It'll be the 23rd over there. Yes, it I know still people... sucks. Cam, I think, uh, I think our listener can work out the difference in time zones and what they represent. Thank you. Man, it's, it, I'm tired. It's been a long month. <laughs> and I'm still working. I'm used to being on leave by now. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, normally I'd, I'd look at Perth and look at their team and go, we should win this. But I feel like we've had, in previous years, we've had a number of these, like, just after midnight kickoffs, and we've been absolutely shit house in all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we maybe won one, I think, from memory. <clears throat> and even that game, I think we, we, it was daylight, well, not daylight robbery, midnight robbery. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't have particularly high hopes with it, to be frank. No, I, I think if we, if we get points out of this, it'll be lucky. Because as you say, on paper, you look at the squads, you think we should get something out of this. But I think that travel, that time difference, it, it's tough. It's really tough. It's a long way to go to play, as you say, at midnight till two in the morning, a game of football. Um, and we've seen that impact the performance before. So I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be tough. I really hope we get out of it with a jammy 1-0 win. But I won't be surprised when it's not that at all. I'll take, I'll take any value or point out of this. If we get a point, any point at all, I think it'll be a uh, a moral victory at least. Yeah, it looks like we're, we're slight slight favourites, which I'm, I'm very surprised by, even in Australia, uh, Australian betting websites. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, I get I get that on what we've been playing and how we've been playing, but not in the given situation of this particular fixture. Yes, indeed. Elsewhere, I guess uh, after the men's game, the uh, Wahinex played um, after about a 45 minute. Um, gap in between the games. Uh, and we talked last week about how Adelaide only scored four goals in four four games. They have now scored five goals in five games. Yet somehow, are, I think, almost top of the league. Uh, I'm going to assume Dave and, and Trace don't remember much of this either. So, Cam, I mean, yeah. the, the, this seemed a bit quite a tight game from the from what I from what I recall. Yeah, yeah, and that would be fair. Um, for me, we weren't as uh, we weren't as good moving forward as we had been against um, in the first game. The first half, uh, you know, we played two good halves up to this point um, against Western United and I can't remember who we played in the second game. Um, we weren't as good moving forward as, as we were in those games with uh, Alyssa being out of the out of the match day squad. But what Grace Wisniewski, who started, brought to that role was what we've been talking about in the previous um, pods. She's more of an eight. She's uh, 
more somewhere between an eight and a ten, I think, is most appropriate. And that provided a little bit extra cover through central midfield. And they Adelaide didn't appear to have the same kind of um, creativity and explosive um, players through central midfield and in transition that um, the opposition we've been playing has had. We've been able to exploit that issue that we've had through central midfield. So it certainly seemed to shore that up. And that meant that we defensively we were much more sound than we have been um, and we were much more in the game. It's just that Ava Pritchard ended up being a lot more isolated than she has been in previous games. And we've already, already talked about how hard it has been to get it to the um, the strikers, uh, but that's mainly because of that poor transition play and the poor retention through midfield. But in this situation, we were doing better with that, but because Grace was playing deeper than Alyssa had been, then there was little uh, less of a link between the, the front and the midfield. In that situation, I think Ava's actually done a power of work. She's done a hell of a job up front for us in that game for little to no reward, which was harsh, but she's actually played quite well um, and certainly has harried defenders for 90 minutes and hasn't given up the whole time, so it's quite impressive. Overall, I think we look defensively stronger um, than we have done. I don't know whether you put that down to Adelaide not being the force moving forward that the other teams we've played have been, Um but yeah, and obviously they aren't because you know five goals in five games, for example. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was certainly more defensively sound than we have been in the past. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, it, it felt a lot more like Adelaide struggled up front than some of those teams we've played. But it did feel like we were generally better. I think as you as you hinted at, I don't think we kind of reached the peak that we did in those those first two halves of those first two games. Um, I don't think we reached the highs of that, but I think what we did do in this one was put together kind of a complete 90 minutes. Um, we weren't we weren't quite at that that high, but we were much better than we have been, and we kind of maintained that for 90 minutes. We still were under a lot of pressure. We still are relying on quite a lot of scrambling at the back there, and we're still not offering a shitload up front, but this did feel like a 90 minutes where we put out on the field what we kind of wanted to at least in the most part and um i think they should they should definitely be able to kind of take something from that and i think it it was it was a performance that against a lesser team you probably could have got a result out of um you just needed to be able to nick one and and to be honest the way the goal came in this one you you might have even been able to nick this one away you know that that oggy stays out and you nick one at the other end and we've got three points um so i think i think the performances are coming and i I, I would say that the consistency of this one was the real um, key takeaway for me. For me, was we actually put together ninety minutes, and we had we had some good performances from individuals, as I say, as well. That, that stepped up. Um, I thought Emma Ralston was particularly good as well. Um, very good uh, hold up play. She was full. She was coming deeper to receive the ball, so trying to be more of a link player between the midfield and the front line, and it uh, tended to work. She was. She's. She's. She's a very talented footballer, that woman, and I think she she can make a massive, massive influence if we can just get her in the play quite a bit more. Um, you know, say so Grace Wisniewski particularly was very, very good, um, and I think that made, seeing her play moving forward will make a difference. She probably had our best chance, didn't she? I think she had a, a ball that sort of fell to her at the edge of the box, and she got a good connection. I went straight to the... Yeah, well, not straight to the keeper, but fairly close to the keeper, and you know, maybe a yard either side, and you know, we might be talking about a different game. Um, obviously, the yeah, the own goal is a bit of a, it's a frustrating one, and yeah, I'm not sure what else Mackenzie could have done. Eh? It just, it just, it's just really bad luck. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe with a bit more experience, you're a bit more aware of where the players are, and you can kind of ship, you know, shield that wide. But I guess, yeah, that's very easy to say after the fact, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think maybe they had one other chance where they got in behind. I think the second half, um, and Brownie Edwards wasn't quite sure whether to come or go, and they had a, a shot maybe just outside the box and it kind of went straight to her, which is kind of getting back into position. But other than that, ah, uh, the one low down to the left. Of yeah, yeah. Numbers. I actually think she's done pretty well with it. Yes, it was still within reach. Um, they had another one in the first half as well, where she's had to dive full stretch to push that uh, wide of the post as well, and she's done it right. I, I think this was a very good performance from Brianna Edwards. I think this is possibly the best performance I've seen from her this season. Um, yeah, so the goal is what it is, and I don't think I can blame put any blame on her for that whatsoever, because um, hey, no one's you, you, it's it's not something you account for, you know, an Augie like that, but. Yeah, the rest of the time she was uh, much more commanding in the area. She wiped out Saskia Vospa at one point, try, you know, coming through to save the ball, uh, to clear a ball out. So she's showing that little bit of mongrel that you want to see from your keeper in the box as well. So it was, um, yeah, it was good. Um, well, I guess they have to do it all again, don't they, this weekend? They've got their away to Adelaide uh, on the 27th. That's a bit of a novelty of the draw, I suppose. Um, I don't know whether that's good to turn around and play them straight after. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like um, Lily Alfield's not going to be there till, I think they said January, maybe. Alyssa Wynnum, very mysterious departure on for family reasons, so um, I assume that's probably not going to be short term, but I'm just really speculating. So I don't think we're going to get anyone else back who, who hasn't already been there, so be, you'd expect much of the same, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, and I think it's a good lineup, um, and I think I think we should stick with it and give it another shot in Adelaide. I think the the only thing that's the kind of great equaliser here, right, is Adelaide will be looking at what they think they can have done better as well, and, and working on those same things because they had a lot of possession in this game, they built a lot of pressure, uh, but they didn't really create a lot of chances. So I think they'll be they'll be looking at that reasonably hard and trying to trying to figure out ways to improve on that. But equally, we'll be looking at the things we can improve on, and, and I think you might well end up with quite a tight game again. Well, history would expect that, wasn't it, for, from them? Yeah, so we sit firmly at the bottom alongside the, the Wanderers, um, who are also winless, so they've only played four games, we've played five. I mean, you hope at some stage we we drag some kind of result at, at some point to kickstart. I mean, it can't be that um, great on the old morale going 0 from 5. No, we have, we have, we have played the top five teams so far, though. And so, yeah, it would be nice to chuck in a Wanderers sometime soon to give us, uh, hopefully, some a morale, morale boosting something. Um, the the performances are there. Like, the, the players are there. They're capable. Um, it's just a matter of finding that right tactic for creating those chances and shoring up that midfield. And if Grace Wisniewski is the answer to the midfield, then hopefully that will provide us enough scope to find an answer for the goals. Yeah, do you think we're kind of missing maybe... Grace Jale this year. She seems like she's a bit more of a, maybe just a bit more present up front, maybe someone with a bit more pace, a bit more direct. Like I, I remember, you know, some of our best goals were sort of her running in behind and Alyssa Wynnum playing sort of balls in behind. And I think that's maybe how we how we won against Canberra. I think that 3-0 victory was her sort of pushing, trying to get in behind. Perhaps we don't really have that in the central channel at the moment. No, I, I agree. I, I think we miss Grace Jarley quite a lot. Um, she's a talented player to lose out of your squad. Uh, so, yeah, uh, how you replace that, I don't know. We've, we've got quite young players, mate, and 
yeah, it's hard to hard to see where that um where that fix comes from at this point. I'm sure I'm sure it's there, and I'm sure they will manage to get there before the end of the season. Jeez, we live in hope, don't we? I think that is probably probably up for for an action packed weekend. It feels like this week has just gone on and on and on. It's just so much happening. But I guess to recap, we've got the uh, Phoenix men's on the the night of the twenty third. Um, there's a real tactic about whether you try sniffing a a nap in the early evening and wake up, push through, or watch on repeat, depending on results, I suppose. Um, and then the women are on the on the 27th uh, a few days later. Um, so I don't know what we'll do for podcast. We, what's the 27th? What day is that? Tuesday. Oh, yeah, we might have to do it after then, I think. Um, I'm getting none. I'm getting neither of these games. So on Friday, I have a, I have a massive drive for picking up my mother for Christmas and bringing her back here. <laughs> and, then the 27, and then the 27th is my wife's birthday. So if I manage to see either of these games, it's going to be a bonus. All right, well, we'll have to nominate our expert on the ground uh, viewer <laughs> for next time. Tracy, maybe oh, you. Trips, trips I'll, I'll watch them both, but I'm not here to record, so you guys are without <laughs> me for a couple of weeks, but I will be watching all these games. Um, yeah. Send me your notes. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say I'll be watching them sober. I'm going to be well and truly on holiday, so we'll see see whether or not I can give you useful notes or if I just watch and uh, get grumpy with my TV. The question, the question is, Dave, are you going to have internet where you are? I mean, I have a mobile phone, so I can hotspot. How good the internet will be, I don't know, but it should, it should be passable. Because there's no reason why you couldn't log in and uh, do the record from wherever you happen to be. Oh, the microphone quality would be your issue, mate. Not the uh, <laughs> take not your laptop with you. Yeah. Take your laptop with you, buddy. That's, I, it's, I genuinely that's don't own a laptop, Cam. So <laughs> you shit out of luck on that front. Oh, what if I got a spare? <laughs> We're not that desperate, Cam. <laughs> yeah, but remember, I'm not watching. <laughs> and, wow. and Frosty doesn't have Sky. So. <laughs> hey, hey, have pa- some pa- faith in me. <laughs> Patrick recorded about seven years of podcasting without watching a game. I'm sure you can manage it. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Won a few awards was... too, right, Dale? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't want to know about how the sausage is made, isn't it? Is it the same? <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, that's probably enough uh, from us. Uh, we will do our absolute best to keep trucking along in the holidays, uh, but there may be slightly irregular recordings. But I assume we'll def- you definitely won't hear from us before Christmas. So I hope you have a lovely time with your families or not, if that's not what you prefer to do. Um, and we will try to talk to you in the next 7 to 12 days. Have a good evening. <laughs> Bye.